I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes Podcast. Today, a legendary drummer analyzes the creativity of the modern percussionist. We talked to Bill Bruford, or rather, Dr. Bill Bruford, who has taken his master's degrees with King Crimson, Yes, and UK, and turned them into an actual doctorate degree. He's got a new book out, and we talk about it in the Echoes Podcast. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that in order to bring you great interviews like this for free, we need your support. If you're listening to the Echoes podcast, you already know that you're listening to music outside the mainstream, music you don't find on commercial and even most public radio stations. For us to bring you these new discoveries, we need your support. So go to our website at echoes.org and make a donation. And if you want to sponsor the podcast or radio show, go to echoes.org and click the Support Echoes tab. And now it's time for a class with Dr. Bill Bruford. Ever since he debuted with the English progressive rock group Yes, Bill Bruford has been a drummer's drummer. Through long stints with another progressive rock legend, King Crimson, with his own supergroup UK, his jazz ensemble Earthworks, and numerous solo efforts and collaborations, Bruford set the standard for creative drumming. But ten years ago, the drummer packed it all in and retired from live performance and recording. I sort of lost the will to play. And that's, I think, I think after, after many years trying to think about this, I was thinking, why was that? And the simplest way I could find it is that I couldn't hear what came next. For 40 years, I always knew what to play next. But after a while, I just had had enough. And it wasn't there in my head and my ears. Bill Bruford didn't retire from music. Instead, he wound up getting a doctorate in music from the University of Surrey in England. Out of that emerges his new book, Uncharted, Creativity and the Expert Drummer. It's partly a theoretical treatise on creativity and the drummer, and partly what it takes to be a musician. I was then thinking, well, how can I continue to contribute? And I thought, well, if I could investigate some of the reasons why I'd stop playing, then maybe that would be of some use to others. So I went to a university and uh, started to investigate, you know, stuff that is really at the sort of intersection between creativity and performance and the drum culture. Bruford talked to several drummers about their work, including Peter Erskine from Weather Report, Chad Wackerman, who played with Frank Zappa, and Cindy Blackman, who, before she was married to Carlos Santana, was a noted session and jazz drummer who spent a long time in many hits with Lenny Kravitz's band. One of the motivations of the book is, Bruford thinks, drummers don't get any respect. Well, that's the story of my life. No respect. No respect. Uh, I think drummers uh, are, are grossly underestimated. Yeah. They then, of course, underestimate themselves. So drumming is becoming pretty homogenous. In other words, most guys are kind of stadium ready uh, with that beat that we all know, the backbeat, two and four backbeat, and the bass drum on one and three, which is, as some academics, particularly Alan Moore, has 
posited as, quote, a standard drum beat. There is now in the West a standard drum beat. That's the one to which we all default when we want to get a pop record started. And it can go forward from there. Can't really go backwards from there because there's very little left, very little behind that that's even simpler. Bruford's Uncharted is very academic. I was reminded of that scene from the movie Dead Poets Society, where they outline how you can judge a work of art. To fully understand poetry, we must first be fluent with its meter, rhyme, and figures of speech, then ask two questions. One, how artfully has the objective of the poem been rendered? And two, how important is that objective? Question one rates the poem's perfection. Question two rates its importance. And once these questions have been answered, determining the poem's greatness becomes a relatively simple matter. If the poem's score for perfection is plotted on the horizontal of a graph, and its importance is plotted on the vertical, then calculating the total area of the poem yields the measure of its greatness. Excrement. That's what I think of Mr. J. Evans Pritchard. We're not laying pipe, we're talking about poetry. Bill Bruford isn't that doctrinaire, but there are a few charts and graphs like that in the book, including the functional and compositional continuum, which puts drummers on a spectrum where, say, cover bands would be at the functional end, performing rote rhythms, and jazz drummers would be at the other. Then there's the SDCA framework, where selection, differentiation, communication, and assessment lead to judging a creative performance. Discussion of this in an, in an interview is difficult, but it seems perfectly straightforward to me that there's four things that are necessary. You've got to select something. You've got to make it different from the thing that it's closest to. You've got to communicate that thing to somebody, and that somebody's got to assess it as being of some kind of functional use to the person, some kind of value. If you can do that, you're creative. I mean, what's, what's confusing about that? <laughs> For some, creativity might come from technical proficiency and complexity, and that might exclude pop music. No, not at all. You can find creativity in all kinds of little small corners of the music. As Martin France in the book points out continually, uh, it can be very creative, but um, it can only go so far. At the compositional end, you're required to... to to contribute materially to the music, so that would make it uh, potentially more creative. In the book, he discusses session drummer Blair Sinta, who is working on a track by singer Melissa Etheridge. It's a simple rock song, but the details Sinta puts into his drumming choices sound more like creative composition than functional performance. Well, I've been, I've been thinking there's something I'm not talking about. Isn't that interesting? I agree. And it's particularly creative with the sound of the drums, the forensic kind of care and positioning of where he puts the kits. The kit. And bear in mind, he's not just bringing a drum kit along to this thing. He's listening to the music and then selecting each instrument and selecting its timbre and how it's going to be struck and where it's going to be struck, specifically for that particular composition. It's a, a high level of creativity in that, I think. Take me away Way back to that Fourth street feeling now Whenever 
Jasper Bruford, art of creativity is novelty and the invention of something new. He experienced that in full force with King Crimson and its founding member, guitarist Robert Fripp. Robert Fripp wasn't entirely helpful when he said I could do uh, anything I wanted so long as he hadn't heard it before, uh, or, or that I hadn't heard it before. So I was in one of the few bands in, in the Western world that was interested in trying to produce sounds and ways of making music that were quite different to others. But invention can be found in extremes. Bernard Purdy is a legendary and eclectic drummer who has worked in free jazz, but most of his reputation lies in more mainstream jazz and R&B records with people like Aretha Franklin. Let's take Bernard Purdy doing some hi-hat splashes and sock cymbal stuff behind Aretha Franklin. Within two seconds, that's designated new and useful by the drum community and absorbed into the community really fast as creative action. So Bernard Purdy was very creative that day, no doubt about it. But then you have a drummer like Tomas Stronin, who records on the ECM jazz label. I would think that jazz drumming is at the most creative compositional end of the drumming spectrum. You might think so, mind you, but even perhaps even further out further freedom is when you are working with no one else at all, as Thomas is. Frequently he does solo performance. Um, so that could be even further out, as it were. No one is saying that any music, functional or composition, is better or worse than anybody else's performance. We're just looking at this issue of creativity, where it's possible to invoke it, where it's impossible to invoke it. There's no doubt that with King Crimson and in his own music, Bill Bruford is a compositional as opposed to functional drummer. He's not performing based on a formula or prior practice. He's building from the ground up. King Crimson was a particularly creative group. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Difficult, mind. Difficult. I think if, if you're going to get four guys in a room and lock the studio door and ask them to be creative, there probably will be blood on the floor. But uh, by the time, if you open up the door and let them out again, they've probably recorded something of interest. Bill Bruford is always of interest and his inventiveness never in doubt. You can read more about it in his book, Uncharted Creativity and the Expert Drummer, published by the University of Michigan Press. 
If you want to pick up Bill Bruford's book, Uncharted, there's a link for it in the posting for this podcast. You can also check out an earlier podcast with Bruford from about nine years ago when he retired and wrote his autobiography. Next week on the Echoes podcast, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Crown of Creation, the fourth album by Jefferson Airplane. The podcast is an extended version of the feature that appeared in the show. I'm John DiLibretto. Thanks for tuning in to the Echoes podcast. See you next week, tonight, or online right now on Echoes. Have you got-